Hi, welcome to the Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine Research Review Podcast, where we discuss the latest scientific discoveries and advancements in various fields of study. My name is James, and I'm a first-year graduate student studying public health here at Yale. I'm here with our co-host, Ellen, who's a master's student in developmental neuroscience and researcher at the Child Study Center. Today, we're going to be focusing on a groundbreaking study in the medical field that aims to improve the recovery process for women undergoing heart bypass surgery. The study, which was conducted by a team of researchers from the Yale School of Medicine, sheds light on the importance of innovation and representation in research. Great. So why don't we start by talking about what heart bypass surgery is and why it is significant? Sure. Well, heart bypass surgery, also known as coronary artery bypass grafting or cabbage, is a surgical procedure that's used to improve blood flow to the heart. During this procedure, a surgeon takes a healthy blood vessel from another part of the body, such as the chest or leg, and grafts it onto the blocked coronary artery. This allows blood to bypass the blocked area and flow to the heart muscle, and that improves its overall function. And people who need this surgery often need it for a range of reasons. Uh, The most common reason people need the surgery is because of coronary artery disease, which occurs when there's a buildup of plaque in the arteries that supply blood to the heart. And some of the symptoms people experience include things like chest pain, shortness of breath, and other symptoms. Another common reason is uh, heart attacks. So this is to restore blood flow to any of the damaged areas of the heart. And similarly, any other blocked or damaged arteries or valve disease. People with these difficulties might need heart bypass surgery. It does sound like quite a complicated procedure. So can you tell us more about the study that aimed to improve the recovery process for women undergoing this procedure? Absolutely. So the study, which was led by Viola Baccarino, she's an MD, PhD, and a professor of medicine here at Yale, aimed to identify ways to improve the recovery process for women undergoing cabbage. The researchers found that women experience more complications and a slower recovery process than men after undergoing the procedure. That's interesting. So what did the researchers find and how did they come up with their conclusions? Well, the researchers looked at data from a large multi-center clinical trial that involved over 6,000 patients undergoing cabbage. They found that women were more likely to experience complications such as stroke, kidney failure, and bleeding after the procedure. Additionally, women had longer hospital stays and were less likely to be referred to cardiac rehabilitation programs than men. And before you tell us more about the study, maybe we could first chat a little bit about some reasons why women might have more complications in the first place. I guess one thing that comes to mind is just the physical difference in size between men and women. Women are generally smaller, which means smaller arteries, and I guess that makes surgery more challenging. Absolutely. There's a range of factors that play into this. Hormonal factors like menopause or even the menstrual cycle might also play a role in increasing the risk of complications following heart bypass surgery in women. Changes in hormone levels can affect blood vessels, making them more prone to developing blockages or other issues. I'm also wondering whether it could be related to detection and diagnosis. For many physical illnesses, women are often diagnosed later than men, which could also be the case for heart disease. This could mean that they have more advanced disease by the time they undergo the surgery, which might increase the complexity of the procedure as well as the risk of complications. Absolutely. And that's kind of why this research is important, because it allows us to think about the ways we can better support women's recovery following this procedure. So to address these issues and complications, the researchers developed a program called the Women's Recovery Program, which aimed to improve the process for women after cabbage. The program included a team of healthcare professionals, including a nurse practitioner, nutritionist, physical therapist, and a mental health professional, who worked in tandem to provide personal care and support for each patient. 
program also incorporated strategies to address common issues faced by women during recovery. This includes things like fatigue, depression, poor sleep. So did they find that the program had a positive impact on women's recovery after cabbage? Yeah, they did. Um, they found that women who participated in the Women's Recovery Program had a shorter hospital stay, fewer complications, and a better quality of life compared to women who did not participate in the program. Additionally, the program led to increased referrals to cardiac rehabilitation programs for women after cabbage. So what do you think some of the implications of this study are? Uh, how do you think this might impact future research and healthcare practices? Sure. Uh, well, so this study highlights the importance of including women in clinical trials, which historically has not been done. Um, there's been a movement towards doing this more so in research nowadays, but also developing specific healthcare interventions for women. Unique physiology sort of demands this. By understanding the unique challenges and needs of women during the recovery process after cabbage, healthcare professionals can develop targeted interventions to improve outcomes for women undergoing this procedure. Furthermore, this study emphasizes the need for increased representation of women in clinical trials and research studies to ensure that healthcare interventions are effective for all patients undergoing procedures. Yeah, I was even thinking about um you know, whether it even comes down to surgical training, so making sure that surgeons in training can practice on, you know, models of smaller arteries. I think it's a great article about dealing with the aftermath of these procedures, but perhaps future research could also look at how to prevent these complications in the first place. Absolutely. And if our listeners are interested in finding out more about the study, we'll provide a link to it in the description of the podcast below. Speaking of ensuring effective interventions, another new study by Yale researchers has affirmed the efficacy of finding purpose in life and that social connection has a strong protective effect against suicidal thoughts and behaviors, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. Um, I know in psychiatry and psychology research, there's been a lot of research into loneliness and social isolation because of the pandemic and the effects that this can have on a variety of mental health conditions. And I guess PTSD or tra trauma following um, you know, exposure to conflict is no exception to this. So how did the researchers go about studying uh, PTSD in veterans? Sure, absolutely. Um, to clarify for our listeners who might not be aware of the terminology, PTSD refers to post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, the study itself was led by the National Center for PTSD in conjunction with Yale researchers, and they analyzed data from a representative sample of U.S. veterans to examine how the pandemic might have affected their suicidal thoughts and behaviors. This paper was published April 5th, so pretty recently, in JAMA Psychiatry. Previous research has indicated that U.S. veterans are an at-risk group for suicidal thoughts, behaviors, and death by suicide. In fact, they account for 12% of all suicide deaths, which is a rate approximately twice as high as a representation in the population. Right, so that's really quite disproportionate and quite alarming to hear. Uh, and I suppose because of that, there is a real need to understand what might be contributing to these behaviours and their elevated risk of suicide, as well as possible stop gaps to prevent these sorts of actions from permeating individuals' outlooks and behaviours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the researchers found that in the general population, prior to the pandemic, suicidal thinking hovered around 9.3%. Three years later, this decreased to about 7.7%. Uh, in the general population, suicidal ideation, or SI, uh, and the attempts generally remained low through the pandemic, which is kind of surprising considering all of the circumstances that arose. However, different from the general population, veterans seem to be more at risk for developing new suicidal thinking and suicidal ideation through the pandemic. Specifically, 5% of the surveyed veterans developed these new suicidal plans. 
So the researchers wanted to examine what factors might have contributed to the veterans' elevated risk of developing new suicidal thoughts compared to the general population, where suicidal thinking instead decreased. What were the, uh, what were the reasons? Yeah, so um, what were some of these contributing factors? What did the researchers find? So they examined veterans' histories of mental illness, loneliness, and social and financial stressors that were related to the pandemic. The researchers found that veterans who reported having a stronger sense of purpose in life were less likely to endorse having suicidal thoughts or attempt suicide. And by purpose in life, I guess we're referring to things like having goals and life aims, depending on whatever an individual finds meaningful, um, what someone is motivated by day by day. Yeah, exactly. So Dr. Ian Fisher, who is the lead author of the study and a a licensed clinical psychologist, for the National Center for PTSD says exactly that. Having a strong sense of purpose in life is quite likely going to discourage suicidal thoughts or attempts, whereas individuals without this strong sense of purpose and meaning might be more prone to having those sorts of thoughts. And what did they find about veterans with a history of mental illness or those who reported high levels of loneliness throughout the pandemic? I'd imagine that lonelier individuals and people with previous psychiatric difficulties are probably more likely to have negative thoughts and perhaps consider attempting suicide. That's exactly what they found. These veterans with pre-existing mental health conditions were more likely to develop suicidal thoughts and experience distress through the pandemic. One of the senior authors on the study, Professor Pietzerak, who is a professor of psychiatry and public health at the Yale School of Medicine, said that these risk factors, so referring to loneliness and prior mental health conditions, may make veterans especially more vulnerable to stressors related to the pandemic, which could be partly why they were more at risk than the general population of thinking about or attempting suicide. Right. So I guess if we now start to think about preventing suicide among this vulnerable group, we could then consider things like social interventions with the specific aim of targeting loneliness, as well as uh, the more typical psychological therapies to perhaps counteract the effects of any existing mental health symptoms and conditions. And as for purpose in life, that may perhaps be more challenging, but I do think that there are psychological interventions like talking therapies or counselling that can encourage people to find a bigger meaning in life or to at least identify goals or things that motivate them day by day. Absolutely. The research team seems to be quite hopeful about the possibility of modifying these things in treatment so that we can suicide risk in veterans, particularly coming out of a quite stressful period of time. These are all behavioral modifications and things we can supplement with treatment, so it gives us the opportunity to actually address them head on. This article can also be found in the description if you guys are looking to find a little bit more information on it. Yeah, I really like that both of our articles today address problems that more vulnerable populations may be faced with. And it's interesting because they are both quite different conditions, right? So one is more related to surgical outcomes following um, heart surgery, and the other is more closely linked to psychiatry and psychological interventions. But I like that the common thread between them is providing support to people who may be more vulnerable. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the YJBM Research Review and for taking an interest in the health of populations that might be underrepresented in research. Our most recent quarterly journal issue on fluids has just been released. Feel free to reach out with any questions or suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover, and be sure to check out that recent edition.